So the reading for today will be from Psalm 84. Um, so yes, Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on your pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on your shield, look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Amen. Thank you very much, Jerry, for praying, and good morning, everyone, um, here uh, in Grace Church here this morning. Thank you, Carlis, for the swift swap. Isn't that lovely, lovely to be uh, here today together? Um, particular greetings, special greetings to those who really are visiting uh, with us this morning or coming back. Uh, have you, have you ever been homesick? I know it's somewhat a silly question. Uh, for the international community, um, most of us at some point, almost every day, will be homesick. Some of you are longing to see your family uh, enjoy the food made by your mom, you know, or wh whatever. Um, but to get there, to get there, you often face a you know prolonged journey uh, with an unpleasant twist, maybe. Uh, it might be multiple flights with transfers, you know, just to find that one of them is cancelled. Or you might be uh, someone who is on the journey today. Uh, I know some of the people um, have just dropped in for a few hours. Some of you are traveling further today. Uh, so you might know what it means to be homesick. So maybe you are homesick today. Maybe you are already making the journey home in your heart. Now, our psalm this morning is about a traveler. So I will refer to the author or the psalm traveler often. Someone who is on his journey and on his journey home. He is very homesick. But the home that he longs for, it's not an ordinary home. It is the home of the Lord God, the temple in Jerusalem. Now, whether he's actually physically on the journey to Jerusalem, that remains an open question. But one thing is certain. He is, he wants to be with God. And the desire to be with God is the mark of the person who is blessed by God. 
Now, I want to touch on the application very briefly in the very beginning of our time in this psalm, because for obvious reasons, now, we do not feel the same about the temple in Jerusalem, most likely, or its courtyards, or its altars, or the birds' nests somewhere there. We live in a different place. We live in a different time. And most importantly, God relates to us differently because there is no temple in Jerusalem anymore. So what does it mean for us today to stand with the sons of Korah and sing together this psalm? Now here it is. I think for the New Testament believer, to long for the dwelling place of God means to long for the church. To be among God's people. With the coming of Christ, the temple of God is the house of God, is the household of God, is the church of the living God. Well, you, you know Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And the Spirit of God dwells in you. Or Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, as he writes to, to this young elder, that he may know how, to, how he ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Uh, and so the traveler in our psalm longs to be in the house of the Lord. And we are supposed to long to be with God's people. So do you, do, do you feel that way about the church? How eager are you to meet with God's people? These are some of the main questions that we're going to be wrestling with. Are you saying to yourself on the Monday morning, so tomorrow morning, I can't wait for the midweek Bible study this week, you know, on Wednesday. I long to be encouraged by other God's people, and I long to be the encouragement to someone. Or come Thursday, are you getting slightly itchy and you say to yourself, I so want to be in the church on Sunday. I want to hear God speak to me and speak to us corporately together. Now, there might be, there might be um, reasons why we sometimes don't feel like that about the church. And we know those reasons, right? Indeed, the church is imperfect and so many, in so many ways in, in this world. Our own sinfulness and the sinfulness of others, sometimes it prevents us from seeing how dear, how precious, how unique, how lovable, how worthy the church is. How good it really is to be in the church. Now, the psalmist, however, wants us to see that the church is still the best place to be in the world. Glance at verse 10 in our, in our psalm today. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. But I think, in a sense, the psalm looks even further to the heavenly home to which 
the congregation is journeying together. So how should we respond to our Lord's loving presence with us while we journey together to heaven? And our response should be one of longing. Longing with trust, praise, and thanksgiving for our God who shows us such favor and such honor. Well, I think the response is backed up by the three blessed sayings. Did you spot these three blessed sayings in the psalm? They provide a kind of helpful structure for us this morning. Verse 4, verse 5, and verse 12. Verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. And verse 12, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Now, before we dive in our psalm, just a quick note on the word blessed. We'll touch upon that later on. Blessed means happy. But it's not mainly about, you know, happy, happy feelings. I feel happy today. According to the Bible, blessed or happy is a person whom God favors on whom God's favor rests. So just a quick note. Well, our first thing is blessed desires, verses one to four. Blessed desires, the first blessed sayings. We see the traveler has set his destination as the temple in Jerusalem. He set up his ways, you know, he's ready to go. His sandals are almost on. But not yet. His bag is not packed up yet. He's begun his journey. He's begun to meditate on it, most likely in his heart. What it means for him. He has begun to long for his destination. There are two seats in front. Please do come. Don't worry. Yeah, it's fine. Come, come. So he's begun to meditate on this, on, this, on this wonderful journey. Please glance at verse 1 uh, with me. Verse 1, how lovely, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. He knows he will meet God when he gets there. And how lovely, it's not just you know, a polite phrase. Oh, how lovely to see you. And I said in the morning, how lovely that we are all here. So just a polite phrase. This destination is very dear, very precious to him. How do we know? Look at verse 2. How do we know that? My soul longs and faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing, or if you have NIV, cry out for the living God. What an intense, what a powerful description. I want to be with God with all my being. So intense, so powerful. The traveler has not yet set on his way, but in his heart, he already longs. He meditates on the experience of reaching that destination. Well, just last week, I talked to a, a couple of internationals. They were really open and really honest. Uh, with me about their struggles with Latvian winter. I mean, who is not struggling with Latvian winter? 
And so what they did, what they did to survive it, they, they booked a trip, um, a holiday trip for June in January so that they might have something to long for, something to look forward to. Uh, you know, a light at the end of the dark Latvian winter tunnel. Um, and I think it's a fitting illustration for how Christians should long for their fellowship with God and one another. Does it describe our attitude and our feelings towards the church? Do we faint with such intensity for the living God and the church? Is it so dear? Is it so precious to us? A light at the end of the working week tunnel um, that is, you know, so often filled with so much, so many trials, so many temptations to long for anything else but the living God. Now, what exactly does the traveler hope for uh, in Jerusalem? What does he hope to find in Jerusalem? Now, we, we might, you know, we might reflect on that. He, he would hope to find, you know, the Davidic king who rules. Of course, it's not the reality after the Babylonian exile, but he hopes, he dreams once again that the king, you know, the Davidic king on the throne. He certainly hopes to find the teaching from the Old Testament, from the priests, the, the priests offering sacrifices as an atonement for the sins. He hopes to hear the words of the prophet, maybe Jeremiah there, or the words of a wise man from the Proverbs. Just reflect what the spiritually rich church lunch for everyone. Notice how even the least and most insignificant are welcomed. Glance at verse 3. Even the sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. As the psalmist reflects on the temple, he pictures, he pictures these little baby birds in the nest and their mother rushing to feed them. But I think he's actually speaking metaphorically of himself. That traveler reflects on how wonderfully inclusive the courts of the Lord are. There is room for someone as small and insignificant as him. Why? Verse 3, he calls my king and my God. The God of the universe who determines my life who has numbered the hair of my, on my head, he wants to meet with me. Isn't that amazing? So here is the, the, the traveler, the psalmist's conclusion. God favors people who deeply desire to be with him. Verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing praise, your praise. Now, what do you hope to find in the church when you come on Sunday, when you get up in the morning, when you brush your teeth, have your breakfast? And as you set out for the church meeting, what do you hope to find in the church? As someone once tried to describe the church to me, 
by saying, well, of course, the church is more than just people. Yes, yes. But the church is not certainly less than people. Again, Paul says the house, the household of God is the, 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 the living church, well, the church of the living God. The pillar and ground of the truth. Just think, just reflect on how precious and dear our coming together is. As we come together, we meet the risen and crowned King Jesus, who is in our midst through the Spirit. Every time we come together, we hear the living God speak through the Old Testament and New Testament through the, uh, the scriptures. We are spiritually strengthened through the Lord's Supper. And when we celebrate baptism together, we reflect on the, and meditate on the forgiveness of sins provided for us on the cross of Christ. And we receive a word of wisdom through a brother or a sister on a Sunday morning. What a spiritually rich and nourishing church lunch every Sunday for everyone. Regardless of our status, regardless of our background, regardless of our wealth, personality type, or anything else, it is laid before us so graciously by our King and our God. Do you long for all of this with traveler-like desire in our psalm? Do you faint for meeting with God? I mean, we might faint because the oxygen is running out, but do you faint like spiritually for meeting with God's people? And the author says, then you're blessed. Then you are blessed by God. God's favor rests on you. Now, friends, let's be honest. The spirit is often willing, right? But the flesh is weak. There are times when our coming together might be more of a habit, more of a discipline. We have to be, we have to be in a church. I have to come to church. And that is not bad in itself. I overheard once a conversation between two people. One, one person said, well, then see you, see you at church on Sunday. And the other said, uh, well, well, we'll see how I feel on the Sunday morning. I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? Uh, I see how I feel. Have you not made it a priority to be on? I mean, if you can get up and hold a cup of coffee and drink it, you probably are able to be in the church on Sunday. You know, at times our coming together should be a habit, a matter of discipline, a matter of set priority. So let's encourage one another to be there on Sundays. You know, if we are able, if we're in town. But the psalmist, he wants to take our thinking and, and desires to a whole different level. He wants to inspire us to desire, to delight, to delight in meeting together all midweek. As we reflect on the dear and precious gospel of Christ, we should be filled with deep gratitude. We are already blessed in Christ with all the spiritual blessings in heaven. And we express our joy 
and our gratitude in coming together and singing praise to the Lord. Well, that is how, how I often respond to my children. My youngest says, you know, what are, what are we doing tomorrow? And tomorrow is Sunday. I say, we're going to church again. You know, it's like, of course, that is what we do. Jesus loves us. He has given himself for us. We want to thank him, don't we? It's like, yeah, yeah. And then I mentioned it's going to be church lunch. Oh, yeah. You know, things, things, things go, go on from there. So in, in verses 1 to 4, we had a short meditation and reflection on how good it is to be with God in the courts of the Lord in Jerusalem. And we've thought about it. It means, it means how, how good it is to be amongst God's people. A blessed desire is, is, is the one to be together with the church. But now in verses 5 to 7, the traveler, he puts his sandals on, he gets up and he sets out. And, at, uh, and, and the one thing that particularly stands out on his journey is his need for strength. Why? Because the journey will not always be straightforward. The road home will also lead through the valley of tears. So the second thing, blessed tears. It's very likely that our traveler indeed is not measuring actual kilometers on the back of a donkey, but is making a journey of faith. Look at verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. You know, such people will reach destination, their destination. Yes, perhaps Jerusalem and the, the temple of the Lord. But it is quite possible that he is already looking further ahead. He looks at the presence of God in the heavenly city. You see, Zion is the name for both the heavenly, well, the earthly Jerusalem, and also the heavenly Jerusalem. Now, if heaven is the ultimate destination in his heart, then it's not hard to draw some implications for us too. We are not wandering aimlessly in this world. Instead, our journey, our life, is a journey that takes us closer to home, Every day. Are we aware of that daily? Every new morning of God's grace takes us closer, further closer to God and our heavenly home. Someone has said, from the moment you are born, you begin to die. Well, just, just don't use this line for the birthday card, you know? Kind of, happy birthday, congratulations, you, you've made one more step to death. Kind of, you don't want to closer to death. It's a bad idea, but nevertheless, I think it's, it's a clearly self-evident truth, right? But it is a blessed prospect only for those, only for those whose strength is in God. Whose heart is the joyful bliss of the heavenly Jerusalem. What is our earthly experience as we travel to our heavenly home. It's one of a baby cry, isn't it? So that's our kind of earthly experience. Well, let's look at the traveler in our psalm. Let's turn to verse 6. Look at verse 6. 
As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The earthly, the early, sorry, rain also covers it with pools. Well, no one really knows where this kind of valley of Baca is, but the significance of this valley is in its name, the Valley of Tears. That's what the Valley of Baca means, the Valley of Tears. The life of a believer will often be filled with tears. Well, that is simply the reality of this fallen world, isn't it? There are indeed many joyful moments in it, people and occasions that we celebrate together, you know, the birthdays, baby showers, baptisms. I can't think of any other, you know, bees or ball games or whatever, you know, maybe there's other, bee, uh, other bees there and so on. But life in this world is always a mixed bag. There is mourning and tears in it too. It is a painful reminder that we are not yet home. The world is a temporary residency broken by sin. One day we cook, cater, celebrate with our loved ones. The next day we have to come to terms to, of, to saying goodbye to them. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of family and friends of someone like you know, Ivy and Isaac and, and Erica. And, and Taylor and, and others. One day we celebrate things together. The other day we have to say goodbye. What makes the journey through the Valley of Tears even more difficult for us, many of us here, you know, internationals, is that, that we are here, but our loved ones, they are there. They are there. But not just caring about our you know, elderly parents and relatives. We know um, of a family whose youngest child was born with the disabilities. We, that, that instantly brought them to the valley of tears as they realized that their life is never going to be the same. What will help them to stay on track on the highway that leads to Zion when facing such challenges in their life? This week we went on a, on a childhood friend's reunion. My, my brother and I, we grew up spending time with the family that, that had two uh, daughters. And, and now we're all grown up. Uh, some of our oldest children are already early teenagers. And it was a really fun time, really happy reunion to reflect on, on so many memories together. But I particularly love it when, when those occasions provide an opportunity to share faith. So one of the non-Christian husbands of, of our childhood friends asked me a question. What is the most challenging thing about pastor's life? It's a very good question. Now, he was saying how he knew a therapist in Riga who has a lot of sort of pastor clients who have complained that their major challenge is to write a Sunday sermon. They don't have anything to say weekly, which I, of course I couldn't relate to because, you know, my challenge is to keep it short, um, obviously. Now, I, I wanted to be honest with him um, about the challenges, so I said that the greatest challenge for me, and indeed for the church, is to remain faithful to Jesus as we face trials and temptations in our life. 
I think that's our biggest challenge. That's my biggest challenge. So what will help this suffering family and us as we face various trials and temptations in our life? What will help us to remain faithful? Stay on track on the highway to Zion as opposed to the highway to hell, as you know, this famous song sings. It is a deep-rooted conviction that God is there for us. And that God is still good no matter what. No matter what happens to me. Look again at verse 6. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. As you keep in mind your final destination, even the way through the Valley of Tears, the psalmist says, will be blessed. It's so counterintuitive, isn't it? You'll be able to say, verse 9, God is my shield. He is in charge of my soul. He protects me. But notice how Significant in verse 5 to 7 is plural. You're not alone on your journey to heaven. It's they, it's they, it's they all the time. You are never meant to be alone. Yes, God is there for us, but we are meant to be there for each other. View others as your fellow travelers to heaven together. Help them make their way through the valley of tears. And they will help you to make your journey through the valley of tears when it comes to it. And as we strengthen each other, our painful tears are turned into blessed tears. Now, I, I don't know if I made any sense to my friend at the reunion when I tried to explain the nature of Christian challenge. I, I said that Christians, you know, they are double citizens. I am a, a Latvian citizen, but also I am a citizen of God's heavenly kingdom, so double citizenship. And the challenge is to live as a model citizen here and now in this temporary home, but truly love my heavenly home. So that's, that's the biggest challenge, which I think is what our psalm says from verse 10 to 12. We have some reasonable calculation to do and then choose wisely. So finally, thirdly, blessed calculation. Now, what is the calculation of our traveler in the final few verses of the psalm? Verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Just imagine the various possibilities that the world offers. What you might accomplish if you make the most of all these opportunities. Yes, it might involve, you know, cutting some corners here and there, but isn't that worth it? Well, is it? Is it? What does our traveler choose? Among the thousand opportunities here on earth, he chooses one that involves God's presence. 
Now, you will agree that the ratio of 1,000 to 1 is impressive. The psalmist has made his choice, the courts of the Lord. The courts of the Lord. God's presence. The people of God. Now, I'm not sure how it works practically, really. If we can really reduce it to an, any individual choice, uh, you know, we make in our lives, like two hours on Sunday in uh, the Lord's presence is better than 42 hours in the, the wicked tents of the whatever, Positivist Music Festival and Sam Smith Show or whatever, Old Town, Nightlife, whatever. Pick and choose. Um, it, whether we can do that, really. But I think we are meant to think in terms of the, the general big trajectory of our lives. Where am I looking for blessing in my life? Where do I hope to find God's blessings. Is it going to be my degree? Is it going to be my well-paid job somewhere in Europe or the US? Is it going to be a my finding spouse, uh, starting family? Is it going to be my career or increasing influence? Funny how our traveler is happy to be a doorkeeper perhaps unrecognized by the people, but not by God. Rather than famous, rather than popular, rather than recognized by the wicked people, we have some reasonable calculation to do and choose wisely. What will it be for us? Now, I think our choice really hangs on our understanding of what blessed means. So, so here we come back to that kind of little word, blessed. What blessing essentially is? Sometimes Christians talk about God's blessing implying things like good health, their job, uh, their income, their family, their children, their career advancement, etc., What's wrong with that? Well, let's remember what the word blessed mean. God's favor. Is good health, job, income, wife, husband, family, children, a sign of God's favor towards me? If that's the case, does it not follow that the absence of these things in my life is the sign of God's that God is displeased with me. Do, do you see the tension here? That's why I personally like to think about all these mentioned things as God's gifts rather than blessings. Because God in his goodness and general grace has decided to grant all these things to all the people, not just to believers, I know plenty of healthy, wealthy, prosperous, successful people with wonderful families who don't love God. Yet I have to recognize God's kindness in their life. Really. But it doesn't mean that God's special favor rests on them. And neither would they say it. Why is it so important to be clear about it? Friends, so that we would not miscalculate. If our most desired 
blessings are fulfilled in our paycheck, in our job, in career, family, children, house, then this is where we will most want to be. This is where what we will most desire to have. This is where we'll most um, pour our energy and time and money in. If we are not thinking clearly and carefully about what blessing means, we may as well start to worship God's good gifts rather than the giver himself. But how does a believer get all the blessings that God promises? Now, here is the surprise. You might have noticed I skipped verses 8 and 9. All the blessings are found at the feet of God's anointed king. God said, verse 8, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. Anointed is the king. Our psalmist prays to God for the king. Because he very well knows that his prosperity, his security, sun and shield, will depend on the relationships between God and the king. You know, Israel's history is full of these examples when the, the king is, is doing well before God. The people of God enjoy God's favor. And when the king is bad, like someone like Manasseh, uh, then the people are doing poorly. But we know that we have a king who is not only good, but who is mighty, who is miraculous. King Jesus, in whom is our prosperity and security. Verse 12, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You see, God in Christ does not withhold anything good from us. All the spiritual blessings we have in Christ, we have in heaven. Apart from King Jesus, we are nothing and we have nothing. We have been chosen by God for a relationship with our Heavenly Father only in King Jesus. We are adopted as God's beloved children only through Jesus. Our forgiveness of sins is only because of what King Jesus did on the cross. In Christ, we have received the Holy Spirit. He guarantees our place in the precious heavenly home to which we are journeying together. You know, as that song goes, he took the blame, bore the, bore the wrath, we stand forgiven at the cross. All the spiritual blessings in heaven we have are in Christ. Apart from King Jesus, we are nothing and we have nothing. Does it not make you long for meeting with Jesus and his people? And longing for heaven. As Jesus said, I am going back to my Father to do what? To prepare home for you. We should long for that blessed reality. And as we do that, remember our blessed desires. Through Christ, through Christ, we have been joined to the pilgrim flock, the heavenly church, 
we sing praises together to our Lord and God as we journey together to our heavenly home. Blessed tears, we do that even when our journey passes through the valley of tears. We go strong because the Lord is our strength and we have his people and eventually blessed calculations. Therefore, those who belong to the church know that one Sunday morning in the presence of God is better than a thousand mornings elsewhere. Verse 12, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Amen.